What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have like a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Russell Westbrook is off to Houston. It's going to be scary. Not for us. <laughs> no! James Harden just caught a body here in Los Angeles. And Westbrook is on the freeway. What's up, guys? I'm going to do this podcast. My name is Solomon Lee at Solomon Lee NBA on Twitter. Here joined by Michael Shapiro of Sports Illustrated. How you doing, man? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me on. First time on the Renee Shoes podcast. Like, how's it feel? You feeling good? You you got the butterflies rolling? Like, you, you excited? I'm certainly feeling very excited. A bit nervous, but I think we'll make it through. You don't need to be nervous. This podcast sucks. <laughs> but, 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 but. There was a basketball game tonight for the Houston Rockets. They lost that basketball game by multiple points to the Dallas Mavericks. Oh, final score is 137-123. Luka Doncic, monster game, 41 points, 10 assists, 6 rebounds. Um, first time I got to see a chance to watch him in person. Um, it, it, it was, it was, he's, this guy's as good as advertised. Every bit as good as advertised. He's just so freaking smart. Now, like, obviously all the attention's on his size and the shooting and the footwork, but his smarts, like, you watch him on, on fast break. There was a play I remember I was watching, um, Harden was trying to stop Luka Doncic on a fast break. And he had all the the head fakes up, like those little flops that Harden has uh, when mm-hmm. when defenders are running into him. He has all that down right now at age 23, 22. Mm-hmm. Well, he was the most accomplished European teenager ever coming into the NBA draft. He has only yeah. continued to grow his game. He is so intelligent. You know, he is arguably the best passer of any perimeter player in the league right now at just 20 years old. He was dominant uh, and the best player on the floor today. And what's funny is like we were just talking about it like, can you believe it? The, the Kings passed up on him to draft Marvin Bagley. Marvin Bagley. Marvin Bagley. And to think that this was just over a, a dispute over not working out for the Kings. Uh, the amount of teams that did not want to take Luka in, in the first five picks is just nuts. It's just because he... I don't know what else you need to see. His European play was pretty clear. This guy was a superstar. Mm -hmm. This guy was a superstar in the making. A ready-made superstar. Had played professional basketball against professional athletes already. And I I don't know what, what all these other teams needed to see. I don't know why it wasn't so obvious when everybody who evaluated draft prospects was like, this guy is such a can't miss, you can't even believe it. And yet, so many teams missed. So Phoenix, Sacramento... Um, I don't want to say Atlanta missed because they they got a pretty good deal in Trey Young. Trey Young was and they got a couple of draft picks back mm-hmm. from that trade. And I you know you can't really obviously they're they're going to be evaluated next to each other for the rest of their career. Trey Young and Luka Doncic, but um, it, it's got to suck, right? It's got to <laughs> suck watching uh, a once in a generational superstar just just blossom in Dallas in his second year in the NBA, second year and he's already an MVP candidate. That's nuts. That, we haven't seen that since Magic Johnson and LeBron James. He really is ahead of the curve, even compared to LeBron James. He is perhaps the best 20 year old player in the history of the league and the Kings, you know, looking back really have to be kicking themselves. Now, Marvin Bagley is a nice player who I am fairly optimistic about. Same with DeAndre. We don't Eaton, have to be nice to the Kings. We don't have to be. We, they we, are we, not even close yeah. to Luka Doncic. No, yeah. Not, not even close by a long shot. And he was dominant today. And, and it's frankly, uh, 
one of the top three MVP candidates, in my opinion. Yeah, it's 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 not a stretch to say that at all. Like no, it, it's no it's it, it sounds ridiculous to say that he has the highest right now as of right now he has the highest per in NBA history. Mm. You go on Basketball Reference right now. You look at the names. Look at the names up there. It's Michael Jordan, LeBron James, Luka Doncic, and Giannis is up there too. Like that. That like these are these are the names he's putting up numbers like in in proximity to that. That's that's completely stupid. And he's in contention to to average a triple double. And now I think obviously that is small sample size, but it just kind of shows you just the multi talented player that he is. He's big. He's strong. He really attacks the boards uh, much more aggressively than one would think. He's a brilliant passer, as you mentioned. And of course, uh, very few people can fill it up like Luca can from beyond the arc. Yeah, and he's gotten a lot of James Harden comparisons mm-hmm. to kind of bring it back around to the Rockets. Yes. I know there's a lot of Rockets fans listening to this, kind of turning <laughs> it off. But um, he has gotten a lot of Rocket uh, of James Harden comparisons over the years. And he's the only player um, over the past four or five years, because Harden's been getting, uh, getting himself compared to young players for the past four or five years now, especially around the draft time, that I actually feel like it fits the bill. Like, you look at the guys he's been compared to. D'Angelo Russell's a guy. Trey Young's a guy. Um, he compared him to... Markel Fultz was even a guy going mm-hmm. to the draft that was compared to James Harden. Obviously, Markel Fultz is a difficult situation, but <laughs> sure. we're not gonna, we're not going to talk about him. But, but Luca is the guy that completely fits that bill. He's he's basically a six seven James Harden that developed at a rate that even James Harden wasn't developing at. And he his first matchup against the Rockets just played like a twenty year. I don't want to say twenty year. Like he played like an eight year vet. Mm-hmm. Like an eight-year vet against this Houston Rockets defense, who has uh, really, really, really slowed down these past couple of games. Yeah, he's just so cerebral. Uh, the way he will look off the defender, uh, kind of like a quarterback with a pump fake, will totally get defenses completely scrambling just with his yeah. eyes, just with a subtle uh, kind of shoulder fake. And you saw that on multiple possessions where Houston was completely out of sorts. There was so much attention on Doncic, and he would ping the ball to either corner, throwing with either hand. Uh, finding open shooter after open shooter. How about Tim Hardaway Jr., man? Mm. Tim Hardaway Jr., 31 points, uh, 11 three-pointers attempted, five made. Uh, Absolutely ridiculous. He just kills the Rockets every time he plays the Rockets. It's very Uh, interesting. You know, he's the kind of player that would be a very nice, workable third piece next to Porzingis and Doncic if he could you know deliver he, consistently he's, but he's not it's just lack at all yeah that's, that's really the yeah. issue mm-hmm. um porzingis tonight also another good game um we'll, we'll get to the rockets i promise sure he, the reason i'm talking about porzingis is his, his rim protection just really slogged the rockets and particularly on these drives like he deterred so many drives from the rockets um you you saw russell westbrook just kind of attempt to take, you know, catch-and-shoot three-pointers uh, driving into the seven-footer, you know, Luka Doncic. His rim protection was really good tonight. Uh, James Harden struggled to finish around the rim against him, too. Uh, this this was a... Um, you look at... You look at the kind of shots the Rockets got in the first quarter, and it's not—it's not surprising that they took as many three pointers as mm-hmm. they did because Porzingis was just deterring so much at the rim. And um, yeah, this was a rough night for the Rockets. Like to start to give up forty-five points in the first quarter, uh, just completely let the Mavericks ambush you from the end three-point line. Now I get it; some of the shooting disparities are are a little flukish, but I mean. Y- you you still let the Mavericks take forty four three pointers on, on you. That that that's that's a lot of three point attempts. So as we know, the number one indicator of three point defense is three point attempts, three pointers mm-hmm. attempted. 
and 44 is not a good number to get to get rammed on you. You know, there's there's a lot of excuses for the Rockets gave out today. Oh, it's a 2:30 start. Oh, it's a um, we just came back from LA emotional game. I get all that. You're a championship contender. You have only beaten two teams above 500 so far this season. That is alarming. Like that's for a team that wants to win a that wants to win a championship there that has championship aspirations to have only two games above five hundred like that you're trying to prove yourself and it's hard to buy into this 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 Rockets team when you've only beaten bad teams so far. It's it was certainly concerning on Sunday. Mike D'Antoni said post game uh, quote we were flat and they weren't and they punched us and I think that is a pretty accurate way uh, to describe what happened and going back to Christoph Porzingis he really did wreck the game in the first quarter he had 10 points and 7 rebounds he had 4 offensive rebounds yeah. uh, and you know it was really interesting uh, kind of dichotomy when Dallas had Porzingis and then Dwight Powell in the starting lineup you know having PJ Tucker have to play against Christoph Porzingis is a tough matchup uh, and kind of illuminates some of the personnel issues uh, that Houston might have uh, with its center rotation and guys like Harden and uh, and Clint Capella, just they just weren't boxing out in that first quarter. Mm-hmm. Like they just like these guys. Uh, the Mavericks got just a ton of offensive rebounds, as you said, and like that kind of stuff comes back to bite you in the ass, man. Like second second chance points are really really deadly. Mm-hmm. They're demoralizing. Yeah, especially against a team like Dallas, they're not going to miss the second time you give them an opportunity, man. Yeah, like okay. they're just not. They're absolutely not going to do that. Um, yeah, it, it, so they're on they're on a three game losing streak as we mentioned earlier. I'm just watching this team, and I know they've missed Daniel House. I know that, and I know they're out Air Gordon. But man, like they still seem one guy short to me. They really do. It's particularly just one guy of size. And defensive acumen, and obviously a lot, a lot of guys point to Iguodala as a possible solution, right? Midseason sure. is a guy that's going to be available. A lot of teams are going to be after Iguodala, man. The, the Rockets are not going to be the only team. The Clippers are going to want Iguodala. The Lakers are going to want Iguodala. A lot of championship contenders are going to want Andre Iguodala. So it, to to put all your stakes on a possible Iguodala signing, that it's 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 a really rough position to be in. I I, I like again. I just wrote this this column on Daniel. I really like Daniel House. He's 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 shown a lot of people that what he showed at the second half of last season was legit, mm-hmm. right? He's he's a proven NBA player. He still has something to prove in the playoffs. Uh, I'm interested to see how he counteracts that. PJ Tucker, solid wing. Behind those two, the wing depth gets really shallow. Ben McLemore has been really rough mm-hmm. this season. He's had his good games, and I feel like a lot of his good games kind of overshadow. How how bad his bad games can be, especially on defense. He's just not what you want. As if he's your fourth wing, I realize Eric Gordon, PJ Tucker, Daniel House. These guys are going to be ahead of him. But if he's your fourth wing, it's not good. It's not good. There are certainly some some deficiencies on the roster. I agree. Ben McElmore tonight went 0 for 6 and uh, did not register an assist. He had a very rough night. I think you make a good point about size on the wing, and that's something that Iguodala does provide, you know, being 6'7", 6'8". Uh, when you look at the guys that Houston likes to bring off the bench, McElmore is pretty small. You know, Austin Rivers is in a wing, of course, but he does soak up a lot of minutes next to point guards, and he is also small. Uh you know, there are certain guys that would be perfect. Robert Covington, of course, a former uh, Rock would be great. I don't know if he'll be available on the market. Yeah. Uh, but it's going to have to be a finesse job here by Daryl Moore to find someone uh, who can bring size uh, and play at the wing and log quality minutes that really they have not 
gotten from Ben McElmore. He started with a hot kind of shooting night. Uh, but other than that, I think there are still a few spots on this roster that is lacking right now. Yeah, and particularly size, man. Like this, this, this team is one of the smaller teams in the NBA. And when you when it comes to rebounding, second chance opportunities, like Clint Capella should not have to log twenty rebounds a game every night. Like the, his defensive stats get get you know raved over every game, right? I'm talking about his rebounding stats, right? Like he his his twenty point rebounding streak, awesome. I get it. He should not have to do this every night for the Rockets to have a chance on the boards. Yeah, certainly. And you know he's someone that can gobble it up and kill and be a pretty proficient defensive rebounder. But I don't think people really consider him to be uh, one of the top defensive rebounders in the yeah, sport. Yeah. Um, I think it's more of a thing out of necessity, as you kind of hinted at. So yeah, I think size uh, definitely defensively is something that's going to come back to bite the Rockets. Um, it, they're going to have to kind of fi- mine some options here. This roster, as we knew, going into the season wasn't very deep. I think that was one of the keys yeah. uh, that people were worried about. Of course, Russell Westbrook has kind of smoothed that over to a degree. I think they now sit 18th in rebounding rate instead of 27th. Uh, but I think they are kind of a bottom third rebounding team right now in the season. And Porzingis and the Mavs kind of crushed them in that regard uh, on Sunday. And you talk about the patchwork that this team needs on the back end of the roster. I mean, the, the back end of this roster is really, really ugly. Mm-hmm. You're talking about guys who are basically out of commission. Nene, Gerald Green, uh, Tabo Sefloche has been struggling to get minutes. Isaiah Hardenstein's not making the rotation. Gary Clark. Chris Clemens, like, this is a rough, rough back end of the rotation. Like, the Rockets are going to have to trade away a lot of these guys. Trade away or wave, because some of their dates are coming up. Mm -hmm. Uh, Some of the dates for some of these guys are coming up. And so it's going to be a patchwork job again for Daryl Moore this season. Uh, They... I think they're in a better position than where they started last season. But at the same time, that this is not where you want to end the season. You, you still need guys, uh, especially if some of these guys can't play night in, night out, heavy minutes. Tyson Chandler, uh, Tabo Cephalosha, these guys cannot play the amount of minutes they're going to be asked to play come postseason if this is their roster. And I, I think I think they're they're just if, – if they get just one more guy of – like, okay, so let's just say Iggy Dawes out of the picture because it's safe to say that he's going to be highly sought after. Sure. You have to go chase these big power forwards. Like Marcus Morris is a name that I would watch for. Um, the Knicks uh, have plenty of them. Yeah, Mark, yeah. The, the Knicks uh, have a, a ton of, of power forwards that are going to be sought after. Bobby Portis, uh, Taj Gibson, um, Marcus Morris. But Marcus Morris in particular, that's, this is a guy that's played a lot of big games. Defensively, really versatile. This guy's guarded LeBron James in the Eastern Conference so that's the kind of guy. If I were Houston, I would I would search after because again they're, they're going to be they're going to be asked to guard Kawhi Leonard, Paul George, LeBron James uh, in the in the Western Conference. All all the best wings in the NBA are now in the Western Conference. Like you cannot mess around here. You need like PJ Tucker. Yeah, he's going to guard one of these guys. He can't do everything. Right. He and he can only play. 36 minutes a game you need you need guys who are going to play the other minutes uh and right now i mean i i I like daniel house i'm not sure if he's up to that task he hasn't played enough games for me to see him in some of these matchups i was really disappointed he didn't play in that clippers game because i really really wanted to see him yes match up defensively because again this is a guy who's unproven and defensively he's had a good year i still want to see him in some of these key games i I realize you can't control the kind of flukish injuries he's had he's at the back he's at the back bruise he's had um he's had the shoulder so he's had a lot of flukish injuries but i still want to see him in some of these key matchups and and even if those two are your only wings pj tucker and and daniel house that's not enough i don't think i think you need one more Yeah, I certainly agree. And you kind of look at the minutes log uh, from Sunday, you know, other than 
Tyson Chandler's three minutes in first half, take out garbage time. Mike D'Antonio played seven guys. You know, in a November game in the regular season, if you're only able to turn to seven people, and now I know Eric Gordon is out, but it just kind of illustrates that the Rockets rotation is light. Uh, I understand that in the playoffs, you are going to shorten your rotation regardless. Uh, but at some point, you need to have more quality bodies than Houston has right now, in my opinion. Let's talk about the Russell Westbrook trade. 17 games in. Fantastic. Uh, been a big, been kind of an underlying story here for the, for the first few games of the season. It's kind. It's really hard to watch Russell Westbrook play night in, night out the way he has this season and not look over at Oklahoma City and see how Chris Paul is playing. Because, again, these guys are going to be linked indiscriminately for the rest of the season. They just are. Of course. The Rockets made the bet that Russell Westbrook is the better player this season and beyond. Now, they may still be right about that second part, but right now, look, looking at his, looking at Russell Westbrook and Chris Paul this season, so Westbrook this season has a 17.9 PER. Not great. 21.9 points per game, 6.9 uh, assists per game, 7.7 rebounds per game, 41% from the field, 22% from three-point range, 68.9% from free throw line, 49% true shooting. That is bad. That is really, really bad. To, 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 to give some context to that, that is league average true shooting is 56% this season. Russell Westbrook shooting 6% points worse than that. That's That's really rough. Yeah, I mean, his shot remains positively broken, right? And in every sense of the word, broken. <laughs> very much so. Uh, and he will say, and, and he is right, that he impacts the game in a lot of other ways, uh, aside from scoring. But frankly, just the degree in which he cannot shoot, shooting 22% from three entering Sunday, it's just untenable. Now, I think that ultimately it was a worthwhile trade. I think that especially in the postseason, Russell Westbrook is going to give you uh, perhaps another gear that Chris Paul can't at this point in his career. Um but you, the way in which that teams are doubling so hard on Harden, it's a... Vi- we'll talk about that in a second. I want to read Chris Paul's stats here. Go so, ahead. So, 19.4 PER. Better, right? Sure. B- better than last season for Chris Paul, that's for sure. 15.9 points per game, 5.7 assists per game, 4.1 rebounds per game, 44.7% from the field, 40.3% from three-point range. That's really good. That's that's what Chris Paul is historically as, as a three-point shooter. He did not have a great season last year. 87.5% from the three-point from the free throw line. 61% true shooting. That's a dramatic difference. That's 11 points difference in true shooting. Now, I, I, I get the idea that he's not going to be as available game-to-game right. as Russell Westbrook. I'm, but it's really hard not to look at the two, especially when you talk about this trap. I stopped you for this reason because sure. I wanted to talk about Chris Paul. Teams could not do this with Chris Paul on the floor. They, they would they, punish you. They could not trap Harden the way. They could not swarm Harden the way they could when Chris Paul was on the floor. He like just Chris Paul was just too deadly of a three-point shooter. Every team knew it, and they, they would not give him an inch. And the way that teams are, are cheating off of Westbrook's man to, to go and cover Harden on, on these double teams... It exposes one of the big worries about this trade, this this floor spacing. Mm-hmm. The floor spacing is a big worry. And I wrote about before the season when the trade was made, I wrote about how the way you counteract this is you cut. You, you cut when you're off the ball, the way Dwayne Wade did when he was in Miami. Right. The way a lot of team, a lot of superstars have over the years. So you, when you when you're not a good shooter, you cut off the ball and you can create space that way. Tom Haberstow wrote this great article about this a couple years ago on floor spacing uh, when you're not a good shooter, and it looked like in the preseason Russell Westbrook was down to do that, but right now, I mean, he's just standing there. He's just standing there at the three point line, hands on his hips, hands on his hips, and 
he's wide open, and that's why, like, I've made the case that if he's if he's that wide open, and if he insists on not moving, you might as well shoot those catch and shoot three pointers, right? You might like. I guess the idea that a lot of people suggest is, oh, he should drive, right? He should drive. He's wide open. He should drive. The rim protectors are ready for that. The help defense is ready for that. As much as people want Russell Westbrook to shoot in that kind of a situation, they also want him to drive into that crowded, crowded lane. Mm-hmm. Like, the defenses are ready for this. Like, they've game-planned this out to a T, and that's why I kind of I kind of push back against the idea that, like, I, that Westbrook is doing the wrong thing consistently every single time. Like, I, I get it. The ideal thing that he should be doing is cutting. On every single possession, he's that wide open. He should be cutting off the ball. He hasn't been doing that. So the next best thing is to take these catch-and-shoot three-pointers. The Rock, the Rockets made this this trade. Like, they did it. It's over. You you, you, you can't call back. <laughs> so th- th- this is what you have to deal with in terms of the floor space. This is the situation you find yourselves in. And, and what I, I can't... I can't, in good conscience, say that that's a bad shot because, like, he's taking worse shots. He's take that's the biggest reason. Right. He's taking four mid-range jumpers a game. A lot of these are pull-ups. He's shooting thirty-three point nine percent on these mid-range jumpers. That's point six seven points per possession. That's really Ugly. bad. That's really bad. That's Dwight Howard in the post bad. <laughs> like, that's really bad. That's that's something he should not be doing. And I, if you if he was if he insists on shooting, I'd rather have him shoot threes. Like it, it, the math just works out every single time. I know he's shooting really bad, and maybe the math is pretty even right now in the mid range versus three point line. But like career wise, it's gonna, it's, it's always gonna land in favor of the three point line. Yeah, certainly. And you know, the old you know axiom is that it's a make or miss league, and that's true. And Westbrook, you know, he shot thirty two percent in the final forty games last season. Now that's of course not good, but it's passable. And that's the thing I keep coming back to is that if Russell Westbrook can be even a passable three-point shooter, it's going to unlock so much for the Rockets because if teams even have to step out even a couple feet, respect him even a little bit, those driving lanes will open up, as you said. He'll be able to blow by guys. He can still kind of find his spots when he is attacking hard right off the catch. He made some nice plays on the same side as Harden. Uh, I think that there is a fair point that he should keep pulling the trigger from the on the arc I, I don't think it's a thing where he should phase that out of his game because frankly he would become such an easy defender you know he'd become such a, a static guy to defend against uh he's got to keep pulling the trigger and just hope the percentages start climbing uh back towards his career averages yeah and and the the best argument I, i've seen against the catch and shoot is that he should drive and kick which which he he, he could certainly do much more of right and perhaps he should limit his catch and shoot numbers just a little bit. Like maybe, maybe let's just say he's shooting eight. I, I don't know how many he's shooting. Let's just say he's shooting eight. Maybe mm-hmm. he should sh- shoot like five or six instead, sure. and shoot choose two of those three times to drive. But at the same time, like this guy's only human. He can only he can only drive so much. Like there's only so much in the tank for him to drive on every single possession. I I I, sure. I don't understand the idea that he, like oh he's he he just has to drive every single time he has a ball. I, I drive 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 drive. Like that takes a lot out of you. He's leading. He, he's driving against some of the best rim protectors in the NBA, and he's and these help defenders are swarming him. And he's never been the best career finisher. If you look at his career stats in terms of finishing around the rim, he's not he's not elite. He's not. He's good. He's not elite. Especially in recent years. Right, yeah. And that's where I would push back. I still think he should limit the pull-up jumpers, increase the catch-and-shoot jumpers, just just clean out the sh- shot profile. Like, like clean it up around the edges, mm-hmm. and, and your true shooting percentage will go up to at least 54, 55. Mm-hmm. Like, 49 is ridiculously low. Yeah, and you, you mentioned around the edges, and I think that is really the key point. I don't think that Russell Westbrook needs a wholesale change in his shot. Well, he probably does. He won't won't do it. Right, he won't. But I don't think that 
right now his shot profile this season has been necessarily very ugly. I think he has expunged uh, a pretty market share of his mid-range attempts, um, yeah. which is an encouraging sign. I think it's just the poor, poor performance from three is just really obscuring everything right now. Um, that certainly could continue. Um, but I think it is a worthwhile effort to keep shooting, uh, despite the kind of groans that you'll hear from the Toyota Center whenever he starts uh, pulling up from beyond the arc. It's funny. It's always a no, 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 yes, if yes, he makes it, right? Exactly. It's, 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 it's hilarious how it works that way. Okay, Westbrook was shooting 4.9. Now he's shooting four, four mid-range jumpers attempt. So I still think you clean that up a little bit even more. Sure. I mean, ideally, you want to get that down to zero. Yeah. I, you're, you're never going to get that with Russ. So. <laughs> I if you could get that down to like two mid range jumpers a game, and get him shooting. If he's gonna pull up, just take a three. Honestly, like, like if he's gonna pull up from from uh, the court, I'd rather him shoot three point. The math is just so much in one in one direction. It really is. Yeah. And and I there's some people listening to this podcast like basketball's not a math game, man. Like like that's not how it works. Like sometimes you have to go off instincts. That's his pet shot. That's what he's comfortable shooting. I get that. The, his his comfort level and his his desires to shoot that shot does not really matter in the Rockets' grand scheme of things. They don't care. They don't mm-hmm. care how comfortable the, the Russell Westbrook is. They care about how they perform come postseason time. And come postseason time, it's better for him to shoot threes and twos. It just is. Yeah, I mean, ever since the MVP season in which he was actually very proficient as a mid-range shooter, uh, it's just continued to dip. You know, the math is against you even if you were solid. Uh, mid-range shooter once you start being a middling to poor mid-range shooter and you're taking a lot of mid-range shots instead of threes uh, there's just really no excuse for it I think that you know Russell Westbrook will turn around a little bit we saw how electric he can be in the first four games this is a rough slide he won the Rockets a few games that they shouldn't have won Certainly. Yeah, yeah. Early in the season. Uh, but it's been a slog of late. Um, and I think the worries that people had when this trade went through, uh, they're starting to be realized and actualized after kind of an early honeymoon period. Right. And again, it's important to note that we are just 17 games in. This is, these are early observations. Yes, of, the of course. Of course. This trade is going to be evaluated for years and years to come because these trades invo- involve draft picks way out into the future. These trades involve this trade involves how good CP3 performs this year and moving forward as opposed to Westbrook this year and moving forward. Yeah. So we're only 17 games into this. We got a long ride. Got a long season to go, fellas. Yeah, we have a long time to evaluate this trade, but early early indications aren't very pretty. Is that is that is that fair to say? Yeah, I think that my my take after 17 games is I still think it was a worthwhile move, uh, though there are concerns that it might not lift the Rockets to where they need to go in the Western Conference. That's fair. That's fair. Let's talk about the Harden Westbrook dynamic. Sure. So. Again, we talked about earlier how teams are starting to swarm Harden. And in my opinion, in this kind of situation, I think the Rockets should put an emphasis on the cutting. Like, like I, I know Westbrook's not fond of this. He has to cut. He, he has, has to, to do, do... He has to set screens. The Rockets, uh, in this game, I saw them setting some drag screens to kind of cover this this trapping kind of defense. Right. Westbrook could do that. Yeah, like like it doesn't have to just be PJ Tucker and Clint Capella. Westbrook can set these screens, and and he could be the one uh, dri- diving to the rim. Like, there's nothing wrong with him doing that. Uh, I you have to get creative as an offense, uh, and M- Mike D'Antoni is certainly creative enough. I I think he I think he has all the tools at his disposal if he wants to clean this up. And I think if the Rockets want to make this work, they have to make sacrifices each individually. I wrote about this at the beginning of the season. Like Harden and Westbrook have to make sacrifices. They just do. They just do like all their all their comforts, all their pet maneuvers off the ball. That has to go away. Like they just do like they they, they want to make this work. They want to win an NBA championship. They have to do things that are uncomfortable. Mm. I think that's a good way to put it. Uh, and you know, 
in terms of involving Westbrook as a screener, I think that's a very prudent thing. You see a lot of success in one-two pick and rolls. Clay Thompson, Steph Curry run it very effectively in Golden State, at least when they were healthy. Yeah. Uh, and the thing about Westbrook is he you know, even at his advanced age, so to speak, he is still such a dynamic force, uh, such a physical force, that I think he does draw a lot of attention, even if he's just setting screens along the baseline, running drag screens, flare screens, you know. That's an edge that he has uh, as a playmaker that, of course, P.J. Tucker doesn't. Uh, and just the sheer kind of attention and eyes that he might draw doing more action than just standing around could alleviate a lot of the pressure from James Harden. And clearly, James Harden has been feeling the pressure in the past three games. He has all the abilities to be prime Dwayne Wade. Mm-hmm. He just does. Like he has the same slashing ability, the same athleticism, the same kind of attention towards the rim that defenders. If he if he were to cut a little bit more, defenders would not leave him. They just wouldn't. Yeah, they would. They would be forced to, frankly, deal with him. Uh, you know, backdoor along the baseline. I think are a lot of ways uh, in which you can kind of have defenses sag down instead of trapping James Harden, not just at the three point line, but near half court. Um, he just right now there are too many possessions where it's my turn your turn right with James Harden Russell Westbrook and of course that's something we did see with LeBron James and Dwayne Wade uh, early on in their first season with Miami and that did get cleaned up I think it is as you said a matter of are they willing to do that are they willing to be uh, pushed to do that I think they still can again it is 17 games um, but some of the stagnation on offense I think is just a simple product of effort yeah, and you'll see you'll, you'll see some moments where they really click, especially when Harden is driving to the rim and when Westbrook's driving alongside him, right? Like that's when you'll see the, the little uh, drop off passes to Westbrook in transition, Westbrook mm-hmm. on the move uh, to these these layups, right? And the only thing that the only thing that's missing is when 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 Harden's not moving. That's when Westbrook needs to be moving, right? Right. Exactly. Like 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 when Harden's not moving, all the decisions on him. Westbrook needs to be moving. He needs to be like scaring the shit out of defenders. Mm-hmm. He, he needs just, to be a jitterbug. Yeah, he just he just does. And like they can they can do a ton of stuff. Like, like, like there's so many creative things they can do. They, they can involve Clint Capella screening for Westbrook. They can involve uh, Westbrook screening for uh, PJ Tucker to get open threes. Like they can do that. They can do all a, a ton of stuff. Um, and they just haven't. And that, that's a little disappointing. I want I want to see them get more creative because they they ha- they can be they can be so good offensively if they really wanted to be. Um, and I, in that respect, I just I want to see a little bit more from them. Through 15 games, here are the numbers: James Harden and Russell Westbrook on the floor together, 108.6 offensive rating, pretty good, Solid. not bad. You, that could be a lot better though. Uh, defensively, surprisingly, a 102.4. That's pretty good. Stingy. Uh, yeah. That's pretty good. 6.3 net rating. I, th- these numbers are actually a lot better than I thought they would be. Now, the offense, I think, could get a lot better. Like, 108.6, there's no reason that the offense should be w- below 110 when James Arms on the floor at all times. That, I think, could get corrected. I, I think they could be even much. They can be even better on that end. And they should be like a plus 10 when they're on the floor together. That, that should be their goal. I agree. Uh, 108.6 would rank 11th in offensive rating uh, entering Sunday this year, and I think a lot of that is the stagnation. There's certainly a lot of talent, um, but the possessions are kind of uh, just a lot of aimless dribbling you'll see a lot of times, often from Westbrook, him kind of darting in past the foul line, back outside the three-point line, just kind of find an angle for himself. Uh, But if he wants to try to play more in a team concept, uh, I think that would really go a long way. Of course, James Harden is someone you want to isolate at will. He is kind of the outlier to the team concept. But I think in this part of his career, uh, Russell Westbrook is someone who needs to involve his teammates more with the ball in his hands. Yeah, and you know what the Rockets could do? They could play these guys... You know, I, I know the intention is to stagger, 
but they've been really bla- they've been really bad with the stagger. Well, it's, it's particularly in the Westbrook only minutes. Mm, they have not been been off the court offensive rating with with James Harden. It is a one hundred four point seven craters. It craters like th- th- this is when Harden's on the floor one one twelve point six. So it drops eight points when he sits. Westbrook's played ninety percent of those minutes. Yeah, and with Harden off the four uh, and Westbrook on the four, the Rockets would rank 25th in offensive rate in the NBA. Um, Those bench units are really struggling. Negative Uh, 7.8. Yeah, it's, it's really terrible. They've been hemorrhaging points. I do think Eric Gordon's loss uh, is a big part of that because I yeah. thought he was going to be kind of a dynamic running mate next to Russell Westbrook. Um, but a player that isolates as much as Westbrook does in minutes without you know another superstar to draw attention uh, and with someone who shoots as poorly as he does, that's kind of what you have to expect. Um, if you can't shoot very well, you're taking a lot of isolations, uh, and there's no other star next to you on the court. It's it's pretty clear that you're going to have a negative rating uh, when you're on the floor without your co-star. One twelve point six defensively uh, when when Harden sits like that. That's really bad. That's jarring, those, frankly. Those those Harden those Westbrook led units have been really really bad. They, they've lost a lot of leads because of those units, mm-hmm. honestly. And um and it, it, it's going to be something that the Rockets are going to have to work on all season. But I would su- I would just suggest this. If you want to get that chemistry better with Harden and Westbrook, you know these these units these the stagger clearly isn't working early. I'm not saying abandon it. I'm saying abandon it for a short period of time. Just try it out for a little bit. Just play more minutes of Harden and Westbrook together, mm-hmm. and perhaps sacrifice the offense for a little bit and have maybe Austin Rivers or whoever run the offense when both those guys are off the floor for a little bit, just to see if if you can try more creative things. When they're on the floor together, because you want to get that down before the playoffs. Certainly. So the more minutes they play together, the better they'll get at it. I would agree with that, and I think Austin Rivers is a guy who's real key for Houston. I think he is a real stabilizer in their lineups. He's someone who uh, can actually handle possessions as an isolation player very well, um, which is something you wouldn't really think early in his career. Yeah. Um, he isn't a spectacular spot-up shooter, um, is a better player with the ball in his hands, and I think that is kind of an argument um, to having him in lineups without Westbrook if you wanted to play yeah. more Westbrook and Harden together that you can kind of let Austin Rivers run the show. Uh, he needs to be more aggressive. Spurts. He needs to be more aggressive. Like, mm-hmm. and, and I, I don't think that's on him. I, I think the Rockets need him to, to put the ball in his hands. Yeah. And, and, and you're right. Like That would be a, a sneaky way to get the ball in his hands, to have him run the units without Westbrook. I've been certainly impressed with his play this year. I think... Uh, early in his career, he was kind of maligned as a player, certainly. He was kind of a turnover machine. Uh, but over the past two seasons, I think he's become a very, very strong player, a solid bench guy, and someone who, right, if you want to have Westbrook and Harden play together, could have some stable units that don't uh, completely tank and blow leads. Yeah, yeah. So all this stuff will be interesting to watch. Um, you can subscribe to the Reddish News Podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, and Stitcher. Follow me on Twitter at NBA and follow Michael on Twitter at M Shap two, M Shap two. Well, that was it. How'd you feel? It was fantastic. Your first podcast. It was great. Thank you so much for having me on. No problem. Uh, all right, guys. Good night. <laughs>